Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hello, and welcome to another episode today. I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys a couple of things that I've seen be really, really helpful for some of the guys that I've worked with in the past, and I want to share with you some stories and ways that you can implement what I'm going to share with you, because I I think that one of the things that so often people struggle with in this process is a sense of shame. And so what I mean by that is there's a difference between guilt and shame. So Brene Brown, who is an author, she's a researcher and a professor, she does a ton of work, Her whole, all of her work and her books revolve around this idea of shame. And there's such a high correlation between addiction and people who are struggling with shame. And so one of the key aspects, key parts of people being able to break free from addiction and ultimately heal permanently is being able to work through their shame in a way that resolves it and helps them to change their identity. So just to kind of define this a little more. So there's a, the difference between guilt and shame is it's the focus. Shame is focused on self. Guilt is focused on behavior. So when we go into guilt, it's a normal human emotion that we all have. And guilt tells us that what we've done is out of alignment with our values and with who we are. And that's a part of why we feel that feeling is because if we feel bad, we feel regret, we feel remorse, we wish we could take that back. It's because we acted out of alignment with who we are and our values. So when we take that, it's just the guilt again, it's an emotion that's feedback. All emotions are just feedback. And so when somebody experiences that, it's just simply feedback to evaluate that choice and then commit to getting back on track, figuring out what happened, why did that, that decision happen, what led to it, what do you need to do to change it, and then you just simply get back on track. Shame, on the other hand, is a focus on self. So instead of saying, you know, I did a bad thing, Shame says, I'm a bad person because I did that thing. And when somebody identifies themselves as a bad person or unworthy or broken or any of these negative beliefs that so often we have as people, that is the, it's like the millstone that drags you down more than just about anything else. There, if I, if I, I've said this to multiple clients before, if I had a magic wand and I could I could do one thing to help somebody that I'm working with. It would it would 100% be help them instantly shift their identity or or this away from shame. Because if the identity again is I'm a bad person because I did this thing, it's it loops you in this negative overwhelming depressing cycle because if somebody feels depression or anxiety, how could you not feel depressed if you saw yourself as a flawed horrible person who's unworthy, defective, something wrong with them, totally inadequate. How could you not feel depressed if that was your identity? And the the reality is that so often people who are struggling with addiction, they're identifying themselves in that way because they're struggling with pornography or masturbation or any other kind of acting out behavior. They're identifying themselves as a bad person instead of instead of experiencing guilt and then being able to course correct, they, they drown in how bad they feel about themselves. And so unintentionally, I think people are making this critical error. 
And again, if I could do one thing for somebody and in an instant help them change their identity, it would tr- it would truly be this is this would be the thing that I would that I would I would wish for for anybody. So this is why I wanted to make this episode is to help people know how to do this because there's a process to do it. Sometimes it happens very very quickly because then when people see it see the the reason why like when somebody can identify the loop that they're stuck in, if they can identify why they're defining themselves in a certain way, and then they see the truth for what it is, sometimes very quickly it happens. Other times it's just repetition. And I'll share with you a couple of examples for both of these. So I've worked with people in the past who define themselves as bad people because they're struggling with addiction. And sometimes I'll ask just like to start to plant the seed. I say, well, tell me how often, how much time would you say in a month you spend percentage-wise acting out and being in the addiction. And a lot of times people say, I don't know, like less than a handful. It's like less than 5%. So I say, okay, so you're you're telling me that you're defining yourself as an addict and as a bad person because of the 5% of the time that you're struggling with this unwanted behavior. It's already unwanted, right? You don't want this in your life. And so you're struggling with this behavior that you want out of your life. You want to make changes. And as a result of that, you're defining yourself as a, as a terrible person. And then that kind of gets them thinking, well, it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess I do spend 95% of my life in helping other people, trying to be there for my family, trying to become a better person, being spiritually grounded. They can list all these things that they're actively engaged in. And so when I kind of start in hopes of planting the seed, sometimes I'll ask that question so they can start to reevaluate, well, how do I know that I'm not the 95% versus the 5%? How do I know that it's really me as a bad person, the 5%, instead of I'm actually a good person and I'm just struggling with some things that I want to overcome? The thing that the insight that was so tremendously helpful for me when I was, uh, I remember I was working with a guy and the thing that he had said helped me like solidify, like I've used this like mind, I've used this framework on for, for with multiple people after he said this. So he said, as we were talking about his identity, it was the same thing, struggling with feeling bad and not good enough and all that stuff. He said, well, the fact that I'm trying to make these changes, the fact that I actually want to be different Maybe the, the, the fact that I, I want to be different and get this behavior out of my life, maybe that's an indicator that, I am, uh, that I'm not some reprobate. That was the word he used, was reprobate. He's like, maybe because I want to change and that this doesn't sit well with me, maybe I'm not some reprobate, some bad person that's just horribly flawed and will never become better. And that was such a, a, an important light bulb moment for him. And so this is the insight that I wanted to pass along to you guys who are listening, or girls as well, gals, for the ladies who are listening, we all have shame on some level, right? For some people, it's because they struggle with addiction. Other people, it's like their shame around parenting or shame around how they look or what they do or don't do or the friends that they do or don't have. Like there's there's any number of, uh, of sources where people would feel shame. And sometimes people don't like again. Some some uh, maybe a woman's source of shame is parenting. When another woman that might be her friend, there's zero shame there. 
but they might be doing the same things in their, you know, with their, in their kids' lives. I, I remember just as a quick little side note to hopefully kind of paint this picture or prove this a little more. I remember working with a, a guy and he, we were talking about shame and uh, we happened to be in a group setting. This was like a long time ago. This was when I was, you know, I, originally I was trained in like group based approaches and we were in a group and he was telling me, this had to be like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. He's like, I don't feel shame. If my kids, let's say we get out of the car and then we go into a store and they're just running wild. He's like, I don't like, I don't care who cares. Like, I don't feel bad about that. But where I do feel bad is financially. I just feel like no matter how much I make, somebody else is doing better than me. And what I'm making isn't enough. And that's a reflection of me being a failure. So there's any number of sources where somebody struggles with this idea of shame. And so in terms of it being linked to the addiction or, or again, just like making mistakes. Cause again, a lot of people that I work with feel like they have to be perfect. There's this perfectionistic kind of a, an idea, even though intellectually or cognitively, they know that that's not true. They know that there's no way to be perfect, but they still have this like unconscious, subconscious, deeper level belief. Like the programming says, no, you, you do need to be perfect. Even though intellectually they know that they're not able to uh, attain that. And so, working with this particular person when he said, you know, the fact that I do want to change and we started to talk a little bit more through this, the fact that somebody wants to change is evidence that their behavior is out of alignment with who they are. Because if you didn't feel guilty, if you didn't feel bad, if you didn't want to change, that's a reflection. Like if I were to do something that is congruent with how I see myself and it's congruent with my values, I don't feel anything. In fact, not that I don't feel anything, it's either neutral or positive. Like if I'm doing something that helps somebody else, that's going to give me a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction because that's the value, that's a part of the core values that I have for myself. That's this identity. I see myself as a good person, somebody who does love and care about other people. And do I do it perfectly? No, of course not. But when I don't do it perfectly, that's when I feel this like, ah, like I, I dropped the ball there. I should have done, I should have handled that differently. The fact that when somebody feels bad after they act out, it is clear, irrefutable evidence that that is not who they are or else they wouldn't feel anything. It wouldn't matter to them because what they were doing is in alignment with who they are and how they see themselves. And so if you're doing something that's out of alignment, you're going to feel it. And that's a part of why people feel bad. And again, on a high level, they'll, they'll initially, without the language, to describe it as shame. They don't know what shame is usually. That's why I want to kind of spend time on this episode doing this. They'll just say, I just feel bad. I just feel guilty. And sometimes when they say guilt, it's really shame. It's really just a sense of being bad. And once they're clear about the difference, they say, yes, it is like, it is guilt. It isn't, it is not guilt rather. It is shame. I just, I beat myself up. I tell myself what's wrong with me. I tell myself, why can't I change? I'll never figure this out. And the harder you are on yourself, the worse people fall into addiction. And so that insight, I hope, I truly hope that that helps somebody who's listening, is that if you feel bad because you're acting out, it's a clear, direct piece of evidence or proof that that is not who you are or else you wouldn't even feel bad. The fact that you feel bad clearly says that your values are different than what you just did. If you just slipped and you feel bad, it's because your values are such that 
that isn't who you are. That is not what you're striving for. That's not who you are striving to become. Your values are like the, the, the things that are important to you. And if those things are important to you and when you align with them, you feel good, again, that's because that's who you are. And so I hope that those who are listening can take that and start to apply it in whatever category of shame that they feel. But more in, in, in particular, I'm hoping that somebody can hear this and apply this to them when they're slipping and struggling to help them release the grip that they have on this idea that they are this, you know, the, the, the addict, the quote unquote addict, which I think is the worst way to define yourself. But to see yourself as a bad person because of these slips does such a disservice and it unintentionally keeps people stuck in this spiral because if somebody feels like a bad person, they're going to feel depressed, they're going to feel anxious, they're going to feel down, and that sets them right back up to go back into the addiction to try to cope with it. And so seeing it for what it is, a reflection of because you feel bad, it's, an, it's, it's clear evidence and proof that that's not who you are or else you wouldn't feel bad. And so sometimes then people say, well, you know, even, okay, that makes sense. Maybe I can start to see myself as somebody who isn't a bad person. Maybe I I can see myself as a good person because I'd feel good when I do things that I deem as good, when I'm serving and caring about other people and being productive and doing the things that I want to be doing. I feel good. That's because that's your home base, your home base emotionally. Those are your values. And so if what you're doing aligns with those, you go back home base and it feels good. There's, there's fulfillment there. And somebody might say, well, I, you know, I do keep struggling with this. Maybe it's just I'm not trying hard enough. I keep failing because I'm not trying hard enough. Maybe this really is me because I keep returning to it. Maybe, maybe this is my home base because no matter what I do, I just find myself back here. It's important to remember that people fail for years, not because they aren't trying, but because they have certain things either out of sequence or certain things that are missing in their approach. So your approach is not who you are. It's just how you're navigating a certain situation. So I think about like, you know, those old school briefcases. I remember my dad had a briefcase and it had these this like snap lock on it with the padlock. You know, it's got the three dials. And if you get the three dials in sequence, then you hit the side button, then the, the lock un- unopens. It, it becomes unlocked. The thing pops up, right? The same thing is true when somebody's struggling with addiction. If they keep returning back to it, it's because they're, it's not because they're not trying hard enough. That's not the thing that I've seen for people. It is an amount, it is not about a sheer amount of effort and like, power and force that they put into it. If you think about that briefcase, you could put all the effort that you had into prying that lock open, breaking the briefcase, stomping on it, yelling at it, doing everything you can. But in order to open it, all you need to do is just almost effortlessly do this number, this number, this number, and then the thing pops open. So it isn't, for most people, a lack of effort if you keep falling back. It's so often a reflection of a lack of approaching the core of the issue or getting things out of sequence and they're focusing on things that are not moving the needle because that's not where they are in other words if somebody's trying to come up with like coping mechanisms for stress maybe the things that the thing that they should be taking a look at is well how do i experience this part of my life differently so let me define this a little more 
sometimes people in the very beginning when I start working with them, they say stress is a big trigger for me. And it's so helpful and important to really get clear about what that is. And so I'll spend time in the first session, we, we target what's, this, what's the biggest trigger? What's the biggest lever that we have to help change directions of this whole path? And they'll often say, you know, stress, I feel stressed. If you go a little further in that, usually stress, underneath stress, because that's just a very generic high level label, stress in, in the minds of so many of the guys that I work with, it really is a sense of like fear or inadequacy or a, a fear of failure or, or these negative beliefs that we're talking about, this shame, right? They experience this like tension in their body. And if you follow that thread all the way to the source, you'll often find it revolves around either shame or fear or failure, not being good enough. Something along those lines is what causes them to feel what they describe as stress. And so if somebody's working on stress and they're like, I just need to find coping mechanisms for stress. Yes, I'm a huge fan of finding ways to navigate life. Life's tough. Like there's ups and downs. There's moments where things are, you know, all firing on all cylinders and other moments where it feels like everything's falling apart and having ways to deal with that is, is critical. But what I've found is that the closer you can go to the source and address it there, the faster and the more thoroughly somebody can truly change their experience, change their trajectory. And so what that might look like is if they say, well, I'm stressed. Okay, good. Let's let's find some coping mechanisms. Sure. But let's really resolve what the stress is. Because if the stress is feeling like a failure, there you can change your identity. You can change how you see yourself. And so changing how you understand your identity will very, very quickly help you get out of that anxious, depressed, stressful state into a state of feeling grounded and centered, even if your circumstance doesn't change. So for everybody who's listening, this is what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to identify what is your, where, where is your shame currently? Where are these negative beliefs or your distorted identity so that you can start to challenge how you see yourself and rather redefine what it means to be a, you know, a good mom or a, a good husband or, or what, however you're defining yourself. Because again, if, if somebody feels bad and feels shame, it's because there's a conflict with their definition and then their own way of interacting. So a good mom, you know, I define myself as a good mom. And so when my kids run amok, then I feel like a bad mom. So they're de- she's defining it in part as if my kids are not well-behaved, then I'm a bad mom. That's the definition. So therefore, in order to be a good mom, I have to have well-behaved kids. There are lots of, there's lots of issues with that definition because you can't control your kids. You can't make somebody do something or not do something. So finding how you're currently identifying your negative beliefs, these distorted identities that you have, and then starting to redefine them, right? If I say, you know, I'm a good mom, well, what is like how how could you more how could you more effectively define what that is? Well, that might be, I'm a good mom. A good mom cares about their kids. A good mom will show up for them. A good mom tries to do her best. A good mom will sacrifice. A good mom teaches, right? It's the input. It's what are you focusing on? Because you can't control the output, right? You cannot control how they turn out because they're their own sovereign beings and they can make their own decisions. 
And again, as I reflect on for the guys, specifically with this episode, if you're defining yourself as a bad person because you're struggling with addiction, I hope that this insight of, well, if it feels bad because you're doing it, it's a reflection that you're not bad or else you wouldn't feel bad. You see what I mean? And so starting to identify and then redefine how you're seeing yourself, redefine the definitions that you're measuring yourself again against, this is a part of what will help open up this channel for you to start to see it differently and then therefore start to feel something differently. And the more you do this, the more effortless it becomes to start to believe it. Because if you've trained yourself to feel bad, if you've trained yourself to identify yourself in a certain way which makes you feel bad, that's it's like years of conditioning to feel bad, to feel depressed. So it doesn't disappear in an instant for most people. For some people, it's a very quick change because they see it for what it is. It's like, I've, I've been mistaken this whole time. None of that's actually true. And very quickly, they can change gears. And so I would encourage you to, as you're reflecting on where is this shame for you, how are you defining yourself in a way that's not serving you, to start to redefine it. And again, to change that definition will then start to help you change how you feel, which will completely put you into a different place. So when I work with people, oftentimes the core of it is I, you know, we, I want to make sure we're doing the identity work because if you change it there, everything else cascades from there. From our identity goes our thoughts. From our thoughts goes our feelings, or those can be interchangeable, which then ultimately influences our actions. So if I'm depressed, it's going to set me right back up to go into some like coping negative behavior. So I hope this has been helpful to kind of get a better sense that for people who truly want to break free from how bad it feels to get stuck in this pattern, this is the direction. It's being able to redefine, identify, redefine, start to challenge and step out of that old way of seeing yourself, knowing that if you feel bad, it's because that isn't who you are. So I hope that's helpful. Tremendously helpful for me as I did this, you know, my own work 15, 20 years ago. Uh, Yeah, probably 15 years ago doing the same type of stuff, redefining myself in a way that empowers me. Changing how I see myself was like such a source of freedom. So I hope that this is helpful for you guys to take some time to also apply. And then you can get the rest of the pieces that you need in place to ultimately get the success that you want in any area of life that you're struggling with. So I look forward to speaking with you guys again next week, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.